to talk to you today about hope in dark places. Hope in dark places. First of all, a lot of you have been praying for me. I had a health issue and had to go to the emergency room uh, the Friday before last. And I really thank you for all your prayers. I, I promise you I have felt those prayers. Um, I got a little bit in trouble with my wife last Sunday after church because uh, I went out in the heat and played some volleyball. I had some fun, though. Johnny's house. We had some fun, didn't we, Johnny? She was like, you're supposed to be resting, you know. And I said, you know what? I've had the saints of God praying for me. I had several of y'all, Brother Charles prayed for me, laid hands on me here at the altar. And I felt good enough to be able to play, so I did. Amen. So God is healing, and I believe he is still doing work. Amen. Well, I want to look at Proverbs 13, 12. Very short scripture to look at, uh, because you know what? I think we need hope here in America. I think there's a lot of people that are walking around hopeless. Maybe you are. Maybe your situation has caused you to fall into despair. This proverb right here says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. God, we thank you for your word. Now we ask that you would speak. Not I, God, but you. Touch our hearts, Holy Spirit. Open our hearts to your word. Let it be clear and concise, Father, and that we would love you more and more, even more after we leave here. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. You may have your seats. Thank you, worship team. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. As I said, many today are walking around feeling hopeless. They're in despair. They don't have any hope for a future, you know. I minister to the teenagers all the time, and, you know, we ask quite often, you know, what do you want to do in life, or what do you, you know, what do you feel about your future, and a lot of them sometimes don't know, and that's okay, but a lot of them also have fallen in despair, too, since COVID, and believe, like, you know, all these crazy things are happening in the world, and how can I have hope? Maybe you feel like that way in your own life right now, some battle struggle that you're going through, right? I know when I had this medical emergency recently, you know, I was, hope was being tested in my life. When we get in these dark places, sometimes we can feel like God is not there or he doesn't even care. Well, where is he at right now in my suffering? I want to kind of talk about that today because you know what? When we hope for things to go well, and we all should, right? We, we, we always I hope this happens, or I hope that happens. And, you know, we don't like to get disappointed. I'm not talking about a casual hope where we say, yeah, we hope to uh, go over so-and-so's house tomorrow or whatever. I'm talking about a hope that's tied to some desperation. I'm talking about a hope that when you're in a dark place and when things are just crashing in on you and you can't seem to find out what's going to happen, if things are even going to get better, that you have a hope in God and in God alone, because I don't know how people survive today without God. I just don't know how they're getting along. I don't know how they're going from day to day without the hope in Jesus Christ, because I know for a fact that when I did not have him, I did not have the hope I have now. And when I did not have him, I turned to drugs. I turned to alcohol. I turned to sex. I turned to all kind of these things to try to fill that void and, and maybe numb the pain and get my mind off of my situation. But when I had Jesus come into my heart, everything started shifting in my life. And I have this hope now that anytime I go through something, I'm not saying everything is always peaches and cream, 
But I do know this, that when I go through those hard times now, I don't have to turn to those things that I turned to before to numb the pain. But I have someone carrying me through it. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Hope can help us in our suffering because we believe things will get better. Right? It might make you feel like it's more bearable what you're going through if you know things are going to get better. But we don't always have that guarantee here on this side of heaven. So what is hope? Webster defines it in, is this way, to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or be true, to desire with expectation of attainment or fulfillment. Now, biblically speaking, it means to expectantly wait for God to act on our behalf. Now, first of all, we've got to know this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is hope. Not just for the future ahead when we go to heaven, but for now. When Jesus died on the cross, you know, the disciples and others around there thought hope was gone. They thought hope was dead. dead. It was over. And, and they scattered. They, in fact, they went back. Some of them went back to doing what they were doing before they walked with Jesus. They thought hope was done for, right? But the same God that died for us way back then is alive today and is still offering hope today. Amen. Hope has not died. Amen. Here's the thing. The God who forgave us our sins, who poured out his wrath upon an innocent man who didn't do a thing wrong, right? But bore our iniquities on himself because of all the wrong that we've done, right? That doesn't even seem fair in the natural. But it happened. And God used that, the exchange, to say, I forgive your sins because of the perfect, unblemished sacrifice of my son dying on the cross in your place when it should have been you. Right? When you should have received the judgment, you received the pardon. If you have hope in that, the hope that saved you, that said, my sins are forgiven and I will live with God eternally in heaven, that hope should still be alive right now in your situation. So the gospel of hope, the gospel of peace is still strong today. It's not something that we advance to and just get past and say, well, I know the gospel of Jesus. By the way, every single one of us in here should be able to tell the gospel in less than three minutes. If someone asks, what is the hope that you have in you? You should be able to tell them the gospel of what Jesus Christ did for all mankind. We should be able to do that. We should be actively doing that. But it's not something we graduate from and we just move on to the deeper things of God. No, that is the deep thing of God. That is the, if you don't know anything else, know that Jesus Christ died for you while you were an enemy of God. He shed his blood on Calvary. He took the punishment of God on your behalf. He took the punishment so you can be made free. If you don't know anything else, that's what you should know as a Christian. Amen? And hope has to spring from that. Hope has to spring from that because, yes, we do long for our eternal resting place, right? The hope of our heavenly home where there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more suffering. And God will wipe every tear from our eyes. But what about right now? We know that will happen. That's where our hope is at. But we're still living here in a fallen world. We're still living in a world where there is real pain, where there is real suffering, where there is real loss, there is real hurt. And there's times, and you say, probably you wouldn't say it with your mouth, maybe you have, where are you, God? 
God, I don't feel your presence right now. God, are you really real? There are times I have doubted. And listen, God is not scared of your doubts. In fact, I would encourage all of you, if you've never shared your doubts with God, share your doubts with God. God, are you really real or am I just hearing it from the preacher? I'm serious. And, and when I talk to young people, this is one of the things that's always coming up. And we can't be scared to go to these places. You have to have a real, live, personal relationship with Jesus Christ on your own. Not because I said it, not because Pastor Jeff said it, not because it's the thing to do in America or in Texas or whatever. It's got to be your personal relationship with God. And, and coming to that conclusion, there may be some doubts. Is this the one true God? There may be some, some, some doubts in your pain and wondering if God really cares. Take those doubts to God. Take those questions to God because I promise you he is big enough to handle it. He's not threatened by it. I, I, I'm telling you right now, this is the loving relationship we have with our Father. I have three kids and I love it when they come to me with questions. I love it when they come to me wondering why I chose to do this or did that if I had to discipline or whatever. It's, it's an invitation and they know I'm not going to condemn them. They know I'm not going to cast shame on them. They know my heart as a loving father. If I can do that being wicked, how much more God? How much more is his heart loving? How much more does he have a fatherly heart and he invites you to come and talk to him? So, in this planet, we experience hurt and pain. And I don't know how people do it without Jesus. Listen, if you didn't know this newsflash, whether you believe in God or not, you're going to go through trouble. I don't know a person who hasn't, unless they're an infant, and they don't know it. <laughs> but every one of us is going to suffer. We're going to experience loss. We're going to experience pain. That's an even playing field. But I would rather suffer and go through pain and loss and hurt with Jesus than without him. Because now I have an anchor for my soul. Amen. I have a crutch. Yeah, Jesus is my crutch. People make fun of that. Oh, you're leaning on Jesus like he, he's your crutch. Yes, he is. And I want him to always be my crutch. I want to lean on him every day and not my own understanding. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if, 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 if you're hoping for a good outcome in your life, the Bible's not going to guarantee that. Can we get, just get that out of the way right now? I think sometimes we hear messages pumped through YouTube and on Instagram and all these other Spotify, all these podcasts, and, and everything sounds great. Like you come to God and everything is just going to go great in your life. Can I just be honest? Since I came to Christ, a lot of things did not go great. And a lot of things have not gone great. Oh, we don't want to talk this morning, do we? I have experienced a lot of loss in my life because I came to Christ. I've experienced ridicule. I've experienced pain. I've ex family members don't want to talk to me no more or have anything to do with me because of Christ. Now, I could have said I won't serve Christ, and some of those things would not have happened. But I'd rather suffer for Christ because I know great is my reward in heaven. And I know he's worthy. Amen. I know he's worthy. I know he is the one true God. And so, because we don't can't always expect a good outcome like we want it to go or things to go our way, that means there's going to have to be some patience involved to suffer. We don't like that word. I don't like that word. <laughs> we, have, we have built a society around of trying to keep us from suffering. 
to insulate us, to take a pill, take a shot, take whatever we got, numb it away so we don't have to experience the pain. But yet we all will suffer. If we think Christ is the only one that suffers and we won't experience that, then we're, we've got Christianity all wrong. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But I'm glad he didn't stop there. He didn't end there. He said, but be of good cheer because I, I, I have overcome the world. There's hope right there, right? That is hope. So you might be in an undesirable situation right now. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. Hope itself is like a star not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. We don't see the stars in the sky right now if we walk outside. But when it's nighttime, when it's dark, that's when they shine the brightest. And sometimes when we're in the dark places in our life, you know, I've, I have met some of my strongest encounters with God has been in dark places. Have you ever, have you been there before? Have you noticed that? Because when things are going good, we don't tend to think about God as much. We don't tend to pray as much or seek the word. Not all of us. Some of us do. But yes, most of us start being more desperate and, and God hears from us more when we're going through something tough. When we got pain racking in our body and you have nowhere to turn to and medication's not doing it, this is not doing it. You have to cry out to God if you're a believer, right? And some of those times have been the greatest times I've encountered God in my life. He's always met me there. You know, now we've got these cell phones with cameras on them, but back in the day, and I'm not claiming to be, um, like I knew about this too much. I mean, I think I was a, an infant or at least a child. To, take, to get a picture developed, you had to take it in a dark room. You had to take the real, the negatives. And here's, here's a revelation for you. Take it in the negatives. Take the negatives to the dark room. And it had to be completely dark, no light at all, or it would mess up the picture. But if you take the negatives into a completely dark room, then you would get a beautiful picture, a beautiful outcome to what you have desired in there. I believe God is telling us to take all our complaints, take all our negatives, take all our undesirable situations in the dark places. I know sometimes we want to crack the door open and let the light come in, but God is saying, I can meet you right in the darkness as well, and I can take those negatives and take it into something positive, something beautiful. I can make it something new because I can work all things for the good of them that love me and are called according to my purpose. And again, I'm not going to fluff you up and say, Oh, it's going to be a positive image and a positive outcome here on this earth. It might not be until you get to heaven, but we do know it will happen. So maybe today you're expecting God to move. You're waiting for God to do something. You're hoping your situation will change. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's marital, relational, health at your job. I don't know what it is, but you want to have hope that God is doing work in the dark places, right? As you trust him. You first have to know the foundation of biblical hope. Hope is faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, everyone should know this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This is the foundation of it, right? It's the confident expectation of something good that's going to happen, and it comes from faith. And then so hope is this. It's the heartfelt expectation that comes with believing something good. So faith and hope work in tangent together. Paul put it like this in Romans 8, 23. He said, and we believers, we groan. Has anybody groan lately? There's a groaning because the Holy Spirit's in you. 
even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste, a deposit of future glory. For we long, we long, we suffer, we groan for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, to go from corruptible to incorruptible. And look what he says next. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our fill, or excuse me, our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Now watch this. We were given this hope when we were saved. If you are saved in here, that hope is already living in you. The same hope that got up from the grave is inside of you right now. That hope has been given to you. But look at this. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Isn't that something? (laughs) We know that, right? Like, I don't need to, if I say I want a new laptop, right? By the way, this is still working, still going good. Praise God. I say that because I don't want to go out. Um, (laughs) If I'm hoping for a new laptop, if I have a new laptop, I don't have to hope for it anymore, right? Right? Verse 25, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. That's hard for children, right? You got their list and they want to wait for their gifts. They don't have it yet. They're hoping they get it. But they got to wait for it, right? And this is the same way with us. We may not realize uh, healing in our body right now, but we're hoping for it. Our finances may not be where we want them to be right now, but we're hoping for it. The job situation is not working out right now, but we're hoping for it. The country is not where we think it should be, but we're hoping it'll turn around, right? We're hoping, but we don't see it yet. But we are hoping. We're waiting confidently, expectantly for God to move. And I want your hope to rise today. When you walk out of here, I want you to have a new gleam in your eye, a new skip in your step, a new hope in your heart that no matter what happens, I have God and God is all I need. Amen. Amen. So think about it this way. If you could see the outcome of your current situation, then you don't need hope. And if you understood everything completely and fully, then you don't need faith. Would you? But here's the thing. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So how do we have hope in dark places? I'm going to come from Psalm 42. Let's look at that. I believe there's three things, maybe more, but there's three things I want to highlight in Psalm 42. First of all, I love how the psalmist pulls this out and he starts it out. He says, as the deer longs for streams of water. Imagine a deer being chased down by a ravenous wolf. And it's trying to get to safety, trying to get to refuge. And he's going to be thirsty, right? Or she's going to be thirsty. So I long for you, O God. I want you to catch the longing that's in his heart. He says, verse 2, I thirst for God. The living God. We don't serve a dead God. I thirst for the living God. Then he asks the question, when, oh, when, when, when can I go and stand before him? Do you see the, the hope he has here? Do you see the the thirst, you see the desire. I, I, I promise you, if we had a stronger desire for God in our situation, we may not get out of the situation, but I promise our faith will be stronger. Our pro- I promise our hope would arise because God wants to know, are you thirsting for him? Are you longing for him? Do you want him more than you want anything on this earth? If we had that perspective going into the dark place, it becomes more bearable. If you have that hope for something or someone greater, 
then what your expected outcome is in your perspective can change. You can look at your suffering. You can look at the dark place in a different light. But you know you have to have that hope. And you got to know where it comes from. The psalmist knew it came from God. you got to go to the source. It comes from God, the one who creates the desires and the dreams in us. And ultimately, he should be our one desire. Look at verse 3. He says, day and night, I have only tears for food. Well, that's a, that's a miserable place to be in, right? We're not talking about just night, not just day. We're talking about all day, only tears for food. And on top of that, my enemies are continually haunting me or taunting me, saying, where is this God of yours? There's a lot of naysayers saying that today with all the suffering going on. Innocent children being shot in schools is horrific. One of the first questions, where is this God you talk about? Where was he at during that? Have you ever looked in the Bible and talked to God about these questions? I have. And every time I do, because I've, I've spent some time with God, I know his character. And it can't be because he doesn't care. It can't be because he's powerless. It can't be, can't be because he's not on the throne anymore. That he's not in charge anymore. I know he is. I've settled this in my spirit because I've spent some time with God. But every time when I see these things and I have these questions of why, oh God, did this happen? Or why did this happen? Or why is it happening to me? He points me back to the cross. Why did my son who didn't do anything wrong have to die for people who didn't love me? Why did he have to suffer and bleed for people that slap me in the face every day and deny me? who don't love me, who don't seek me. Why did he do it? Because of love. If I did not spare my only son, come on, if I didn't spare my only son who didn't do a thing wrong, if he wasn't even exempt, why do we think we always are? Are we more righteous than Jesus? Are we more holy than Jesus? Have we, I, I know we've probably made good grades, I know we've probably treated people with respect and love people, but Jesus even told us, even your thoughts. He said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already lustfully, you've already committed adultery. If you hate your brother and sister, you've already committed murder. Because it's easy, like the Pharisees, to walk around and on the outside look like you're godly. On the outside, look like you got everything together. But Jesus knew that those the those the Pharisees looked like whitewashed tombs and looked beautiful, but on the inside they were dead men's bones. Jesus knew that we can look godly, we can look Christian while we're here at church, but he knows our thoughts. And some of us, if I was to take your thoughts and put them up on the screen, you would run out of here in shame. Because you and I have both thought some things that are totally ungodly and are deserving of punishment. But yet God in his mercy chose to punish his innocent son instead of us. That is a that is a time to give God praise. Amen. It could have been us. It should have been us. Now look at verse four. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Then he says, why am I discouraged? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever thought about that? Why is my heart so sad? Look what he does next. I will put my hope in God. Emphatic. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. My Savior and my God. 
It's got to be personal. My Savior, my God. But now look what happens. He goes back down. Now I am deeply discouraged. But I will remember you even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, and from the land of Mount Mizar. So my first point is this. Sometimes you got to preach truth to yourself. Pastor Jeff's not always going to be there. Preach it to yourself. I love it when I see people take notes. I, I need to be taking more notes, honestly, because when I first got saved, I was on the front row, the edge of my seat, like this was some blockbuster movie, and I was taking notes. Why? Because I wanted to learn more about this relationship I had with God. And listen, when you're in the dark places, you need to preach truth to yourself. You're not always going to have a Pastor Jeff. You're not always going to have your favorite preacher or your favorite song. But you have you, and you know what God has done in your life. Preach the truth to yourself. Counsel yourself. Ask yourself, why am I getting down? Why am I discouraged? Why am I sad? I will put my hope in God. You've got to tell yourself, I will put my hope in God. I won't stay here in this misery, but I will put my hope in God. Sometimes you are your greatest coach. And I say right now by the Holy Spirit, because he is in you, that is your hope of glory. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you and preach yourself up until you feel like you're in a spot where you can pray and seek God better. Because he said, I will praise him again. Now, if we go back to verse five and six, you see that there's a roller coaster of emotions. Because in one instance, he's saying, I will hope in God. I will praise my God. And then the next minute, he's back in discouragement. Sometimes it's like that, right? Sometimes you're, you got the good days, you got the bad days. Sometimes you're in the dark places and everything's going good. And, oh, I just had a really great time with Jesus. And then next thing you know, you're back down in the dumps. I'm here to tell you God is okay with that. Just don't stay in the dumps. Amen? Just don't stay in the dumps. So he says, I, he was deeply discouraged, but here's what he said. He didn't stay in the dumps. He said, but I will remember you. That brings me to my second point. You've got to, when you're in dark places, to have hope, you've got to remember God. And not just a passive remembering God, but who is he to you? What has he done in your life? Is he faithful? Come on. Is he just? Is he righteous? Is he compassionate? Is he loving? Does he care? This is where you get your roots down and you establish your relationship with God. Listen, don't just rely on the preacher. Go home and study the word yourself. Get to know the character of God. Get to see him in the Old Testament and the New Testament and see who this great God is. Once you start knowing the character of God, then you start knowing the ways of God. Listen, it's just like in a relationship. You can't get to know somebody unless you talk to them, unless you communicate. We need to be praying and we need to be listening. Praying and listening. Pray with an open Bible. What are you saying, God? I'm listening. That is a communication. That is a working. And get to know God. If you're married in here, what would it be like to go to the altar, marry your spouse, and you don't know who it is? This is madness, right? You wouldn't get married. So why are we joined to Christ and we don't even know who he is? Why are we saved and we don't get an opportunity and take it to know who he is? It will help you in the dark places, I promise you. Have a history to recall with God. Your past experiences with God. He's done it before, he'll do it again. Rest in what you know is true about him during those dark times. Listen, we can have hope in dark places. Why? Because God will reveal more of himself and that relationship will get stronger as you suffer. You will see more of his grace. You'll see more of his hand, his faithfulness, his compassion. 
And you begin to see over time that when life gets hard, God is still good. And you can and you can really say it. It won't be a religious lingo. You can really say, God, you are still good and you can still praise him. Look what Paul said in Romans five, three and five. He says we can rejoice too when we run into problems. He didn't say if when we run into problems and trials, he says, for we know they will help us develop endurance or perseverance or long suffering. This is where a lot of us get off the train, right? This is my stop. I don't want to suffer. Listen, I don't know anybody that says sign me up for suffering, right? <laughs> sign me up. I'll sign up for suffering. Raise their hand. I want suffering. I'll take a dose of that, right? No one does that. But yet this is where our character is built. And this is why a lot of us don't grow spiritually. Because we won't go through the valley of the shadow of death with God. We would rather not. We will stop praying. We will stop going to church. We will stop seeking God. We'll do all these things because why? Now things are tough. And that's just the way it is. But look what he's doing. Endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. There it is. If you have more of the character of God... You will have more hope. Do you see how that works? Verse 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. It won't lead to shame. I've been disappointed a lot in my life, right? I put my hope in things that, are, that are, are faulty. I put my hope in people, right? And they're just like me. They're a breath here today, gone tomorrow, right? But everything that I have put my hope in besides God has disappointed me at some point. But he's saying this hope is not going to lead to disappointment. You can bank on that. For we know, here's the reason why, we know how dearly God loves us. We know it. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit as a deposit in us. He has given us the Holy Spirit. Why? To fill our hearts with his love. There's a hope. You have the Holy Spirit, the hope of glory in you. So in the trouble, God is wanting to build endurance or patience. He's, he's wanting us to stay under the pressure without folding. He's wanting us to stay there without throwing in the towel. He's wanting us to stay in the oven a little longer and not just ready to tap out and get out. He's keeping us by his grace. And then when he's doing that, he's producing tried, proven, tested character, which will turn into hope. God doesn't want us walking around powerless, anemic, and just Sunday going Christians, and it's just a religion. He wants it to be internal. He wants it to carry us through that trial, and that's what he's trying to do. He wants more of him in us and less of us in us. I want to tell you real quick, a quick testimony of my first encounter with the Holy Spirit. I was living alone, um, and I was in a really dark place. I had already been to, to jail four times. And this last time was pretty much it. I could not pay my probation officer. It was on a year of probation. I could not uh, pay the fees, the attorney fees and the court fees back. I was in a tough situation because I was by myself. I had, I had um, got put in a position where I was by myself paying bills. And I could have went back to my mom, but I was trying to be a man and be responsible and just own it to my mistakes and try to get out of this situation the best I can. When I got into that situation, I didn't know Jesus. In fact, being in that trial 
kind of pushed me towards him. I didn't realize it at the time, but as time went on, I looked back and said, man, you know what? I, I was, that position I was in, God turned it around for something good. Because had I not been in that position where my back was against the wall, I probably wouldn't even know him. And so I'm in this situation where if I pay my attorney and pay these court fees, I'm not going to be able to eat or keep on lights. And worse yet, I might even be homeless because I can't pay rent. Back then, I was only making $5 an hour at a car wash. That's not going to pay bills. Amen. <laughs> Some of us making $10, $12, $14 is not paying bills. So imagine. But anyways, in the process of time, a good friend of mine um, who I only, only knew for just a space of time, he knew my situation. He was being used by God and would just give me money every now and then without expectancy of me returning it to him or anything like that. And I couldn't. There was no way I could repay him. One day he invited me to church, and I thought he was crazy because me and him were both going to the clubs and doing the same things, smoking uh, marijuana, doing all kinds of stuff, right? And I'm like, church, are you, like, high right now? That's crazy church i've never heard you talk about church and i found out his dad was a minister so all this is all blowing my mind right and i'm like what is going on here but i knew that he showed a kindness that no one had ever showed me before by giving me money and i never asked and it was really helping me and i knew i couldn't repay him so i said you know what the heck just go to church i'll just go my thoughts were church was going to be judgmental. It's going to be judgmental or they want my money. Those are the two biggest thoughts I had that kept me from going, right? Never picked up a Bible, never cared about it, wasn't raised into, into church to know God or anything like that, right? I'm at 21 years of old age. I ended up started going to church. It was not what I expected. People embraced me. People showed me love. Even though I smelled like weed smoke, they were embracing me. And, and I'm like, if you even knew what I've been doing, in my heart, I was thinking, if you knew what I had been doing, there was no way you would show this love to me. But they had the love of God. Long story short, I wanted to know, I got saved, and I wanted to know who this God was. So I grabbed the Bible that my mom had given me a long time ago that I never looked at. I got out on my balcony, and it was storming. I love storms, right? So that's not scary to me. I'm out there, and it's wind blowing hard, rain pouring down, it's thundering and lightning. I mean, that's all the things I need to feel peace, right? And so I'm on the balcony. I didn't know where to start. I just opened the Bible to Genesis 1 and just started reading. And my first encounter with the Holy Spirit was this. While all this wind and rain was going, all of a sudden appeared in, in my visual right in front of me seven white doves. I kid you not. And they were going against the wind. The wind was going this way. They were going contrary to the wind. And they were prevailing against the wind. And then all of a sudden, the wind ceased. All of a sudden, lightning was just in the background. All of a sudden, you could hear the distant rumble of the thunder and the, and the wind was just, everything started getting still. And I felt a nudge in my heart. And I didn't really know what was going on at the time. But I felt this overwhelming peace. And I felt like God was telling me, I am in control of your storm if you just trust me. That was all the hope I needed, y'all. That was all the hope I needed to put my trust in him. And today you can tell me, you can ask me, and I've had people ask me this, well, if God is real, then prove it. I don't need to get in a debate with you. All I have to do is tell you what he's done in my heart. 
And if you don't believe that, it doesn't matter because I believe it. I've seen it. I know it's real. Today, I still get goosebumps over it. I still think about it. And I know that encounter with God was real. And when I'm going through dark times, I can fall back on those things. I can remember what God has done because he's the same God yesterday. He's the same God today. He's the same God tomorrow. He is not going to change. My situation may not change, but my God will never change as well. He's going to, if he's done it before, he most certainly will do it again. Amen. The last thing I want to mention is this. Keep seeking God. Verse eight, don't give up. Keep seeking. It says, but each day the Lord pours his unfailing love. Look at that. He's pouring his unfailing love upon you in the dark place. And through each night, I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. This reminds me of Paul and Silas. They're in a dark prison. They're in a dungeon. They're shackled. They have got live open wounds on them because they have been beaten, right? They're not in some Ritz Carlton laying up on feather pillows or anything like that. They are in a dark, cold dungeon with no help and possibly no hope except one thing. They have an experience with God. They've had encounters with God. So in that moment, they didn't complain. They didn't whine and say, I wish my situation would change. What did they do? They called on the name of God. They sung at midnight. They sung praises to God. They shouted unto God. And guess what happened? You probably know the angel came and shook up that jail. God shook it up and the shackles broke. The shackles broke and they were released. Amen. Hallelujah. What am I saying? I'm going to tell you something out of this. They were physically free, but they didn't celebrate their freedom. They had their mind already on someone who was spiritually in bondage. And that was a jailer. You ever caught that? They could have rejoiced. And have all reason to, but they were thinking about the jailer saying, we might be physically free, but he is spiritually in bondage. And that jailer was scared for his life thinking, man, my master is going to, going to kill me because you guys have broken free. And they told him, do not fear. They shared about Jesus. He got saved and not just him, his whole entire household got saved. Amen. So what does that tell me? God doesn't waste a trial. Whatever you're going through, he doesn't waste a trial. Look at 2 Corinthians 1. It bears it out. Verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source. He is the source, the foundation of all our comfort. Look at verse 4. I love verse 4. He says, he comforts us in all our troubles, inside the trouble, while we're going through something. He's comforting us in the trouble Why? So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Isn't that amazing that that what you're going through is not being wasted right now? That dark place you're in, God is creating something out of that you don't even understand right now. There's been several times I've gone through things I didn't understand at the time. And maybe years later, someone comes across my path and I can tell them I went through the same thing. And let me tell you what God did while I was in that trouble. And maybe they'll put the same hope in God. Amen. So even if your situation doesn't change, keep on going after him. Maybe you feel like David today. You're walking in the valley of the shadow of death. But notice this. It's not death. It's the shadow of death. And if there's a shadow, that must mean there's some light. Come on, there must be some light shining somewhere, right? You're not in the darkness alone. You're not in the shadow of death alone. Light of Christ is still shining, even though you may not see it. 
I think about a seed underground. A seed is in darkness. We don't see what's going on underground. We step on ground all the time and we we don't know there's seeds under there. And then in due time, that seed is going to break through the ground. There's a work happening in the darkness right now. And sooner or later, there's going to be a stalk. Sooner or later, there's going to be a leaf. Sooner or later, there's going to be a flower. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. You may not see God working. You may not think he's working in a dark place. But just like in the natural, how he can work in a seed and something will come out sometime later. Something is going to come out in your life right now in the darkness. Again, I'm not promising things are going to get better. But I do promise if you hold on to the hand of God, you will be more like him and maybe your vision maybe your perspective will change in the suffering another time I thought about darkness was when Jesus was on the, the Bible said for three days there was darkness over the land could you imagine that or three hours sorry could you imagine going outside in the midday and three hours of darkness but it didn't mean that hope was dead because three days later hope arise I mean, even Jesus was in a dark tomb, right? And everyone, the disciples, everybody scattered and thought it's over with. Why did we believe in this guy? It's done. They're going to come after us next. But yet God was doing a work in that tomb. It was cold. It was dark. There was nobody there but Jesus. And the Jesus that we serve today is still resurrecting right now. He resurrected three days later. He wasn't down for defeat. The enemy thought that he could push hope down. The enemy thought that hope was defeated. But hope resurrected. And I want hope to resurrect in your heart today. Today, I want it to resurrect in your heart. Because God can do wondrous things in the dark if you let him. You stand with me. Bible says Christ in you the hope of glory there is hope and I pray all across this room that hope stirred up right now that you will have hope in the dark place listen you may have fallen in despair you may have fallen in a disappointment but my God will never disappoint you my God is still there he's still working you may have been praying you may have been seeking you're wondering does God God do you really got me I want you to preach the truth to yourself I want you to counsel yourself. I want you to remember what God has done. And I want to leave the scripture on you right here. Look what Paul says. I, I want this to be something that sticks with you all week. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Why? So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Look at that promise. It's not by might, it's not by strength, it's by the power working in you with the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in here today, lift your hands. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you right now. God, I pray right now that hope will arise in every single person with their hands lifted, God. Because you deposit it in you. The Holy Spirit lives in them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Whatever they might be going through, Father, some of them have considered throwing in the towel. They have considered walking away from serving you, God. But I pray today, let hope arise, that they will be strengthened today and say, I can make it another day. That they will hold your hand in the valley, God. That they will remember that you are doing wondrous works in dark places. And they will trust you, Father, as they walk through this right now in the mighty name of Jesus. With every head bow, eye closed. Maybe you're in a dark place right now and you need someone to agree with you in prayer. I'm going to ask prayer warriors to come up here right now. Prayer warriors, come up right now. 
But here's, my, here's the most important question. I can be talking about hope all day, but do you really know the source of hope, Jesus Christ? If you're in today, here today, and you're hopeless because you don't have Jesus, and you say, I can't hope for past this, this future, like I don't know what's going to happen when I die, I don't have that hope of eternal life, if that is you in here today, and you need to accept Jesus into your heart, why don't you come up here with us right now? Listen, it doesn't matter who's looking. Actually, no one is looking except me. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Today is not a day to put off being saved. Now is the day of salvation. If you don't do it now, who's to say you'll get a chance to do it tomorrow? Today is the day. This is it. Do you want that hope to be able to walk through suffering and discouragement and times of despair? Do you want that hope working in you? Because I promise you from experience, God will do that. But first of all, you have to receive him in your heart. You have to say, God, I am a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. And he will meet you today. Is there anybody? Is there anybody? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Looking around this room, I'm looking for hands. If that's you, I'm going to pray in a minute and you just come on up here. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, whoever out there needs to be saved, I pray as we dismiss here in a moment, that they will come to you, God and ask, what must I do to be saved? I pray if there's anybody that is hopeless right now, that's going through a dark time, God, maybe it's sickness, maybe it's finances, God, I don't know what it is, but you know. I pray, God, that they will grasp hands with one of these prayer warriors, Father, where two or three are gathered, you are in the midst, and they will join hands, and they will pray, and your face will be seen. God, give everyone strength today. Give everyone a, a new outlook today, Father, on whatever they're going through. Let them know that you are with them and you'll never leave them nor forsake them. 